Welcome back, everybody. Bobby and I are anxious to keep going with the Kickstarter conversation we've been having. And we recently talked about how some people who are well-known in the industry have made Kickstarter work so well for them. But if you're not well-known, if you're just the one trying to start a project, how do you make your project stand out enough to get noticed? Any ideas, Bob? Well, I think it's what we come up against is what genre are you creating this this book in? Um, I know for myself, I have one for for Skystorm, and you know I, I love superhero comics. It's what I grew up on. It's what I read now, and I read some other comics now, but it, it's what the majority I read now. So of course, my creative juices went that way for the past twenty plus years. It's get real. Marvel and DC have that down. They've, they've got that part down doing the superhero comics. So what I'm facing is how do I take something one way and brand it and, and push it and try to draw a larger from a, a larger audience. And, you know, I'm looking at more um, fantasy, uh, science fiction of fantasy. And there's tons of those elements in my book. But, you know, it's not where I was thinking. So, yeah, I'm looking myself on how to reach a larger audience to successfully pull off a Kickstarter. So, yeah, you're right. Marvel and DC publish so many superhero books in a given week, let alone a month. Okay, it's hard to distinguish yourself from Marvel and DC since they do it so much that you may have a wonderful idea for a superhero and do the job very, very well. But people aren't going to support your book when they can just go buy another book at from Marvel or DC. So you have to make yourself different somehow. Yeah. You know, one thing is definitely getting out and using social media to build an audience. So you're bringing that audience to Kickstarter, but Kickstarter also always brags, Oh, you know, we bring audience to you. And that, that hasn't been my experience myself. I have dropped more people in the Kickstarters I've done over the years myself. But, yeah, you've, you've got to – and we were talking earlier about um, somebody who's going in a whole different direction with the comics, and maybe that's what you do from the beginning. If you know you're going to take this book and you're going to crowdfund it, then you you want to do it in an area that's going to be the most successful for you. But as I'm saying that, I'm thinking you also want to enjoy the creative process. So if I want to make superhero comics, I'm going to make superhero comics. You know what I mean? There is, yeah, there's a limit to doing something that you just don't want to do just to try to get it out there is not going to work well for you. No. So you have to find, you know, appeal to audiences, find a spin on your character or the, or your presentation to reach other audiences. You mentioned something very important, like building your own audience. But there's another way to think, to approach that is finding an audience that is already there and not being served. Sure. Um, we had talked about Josh Blaylock earlier, and, and you had talked about the political end. But before we jump into that, let me say, I saw him at Cincy last year, and he gave me a comic about Bitcoin. And he did yeah. a comic for Bitcoin, took it to some big convention or something, I don't know, some rally, and sold a ton of those and I, I can't remember if he was commissioned to do the book and that's why he did it but we got talking about bitcoin we've both been investors in bitcoin back and forth and uh yeah i was really surprised and then he was doing these 
is alien archaeology type com i mean he's really reaching out for some different audiences that's uh, is cool and it doesn't surprise me with josh i've known him a long time but yeah yeah that's a, pro- that's a project he's got coming out soon um through diamond but it's incredibly researched there is a field of historical research that's uh looking at the somewhat bizarre and based on actual research looking at things that the mainstream might seem as a, bit, a little bit too far-fetched or science fictional, but there's actually f- um, foundational research that a lot of these things may be true. So he's taking information that is well-researched and speculated on and putting it into a story format. So there's an already an audience of people who are sharing this type of research and c- communicating with each other. So he's creating a story form for them. So he found an audience that's dedicated to what they study and is giving them a story. Okay, And so that's why I'm talking about of finding an audience that is already there, but might not being served. His political comics are, some people think that they're terrible, it depends on what side of the spectrum you're on, okay? But he's selling political comics to one side or the other, because that's not your normal comic book reader. These are people who are passionate about certain political candidates, and you put a, together a story form of their story, and their fans are going to buy it. Oh, so yeah. these are ways to, you know, to make money, but also to, you know, to foster your creative outlets. And but you're right, you can't if you have no interest in doing a political comic book whatsoever, you're not going to do a good one. Right. You know, Josh is very invested himself in the um, historical research that he's doing the story about. So he's taking another passion of his and turning it into a story. And, but finding those unique and underserved markets is a challenge but it can be done oh yeah no doubt and josh josh is always out there diving into stuff like that he always surprises me some of the stuff he comes up with but it's cool it's very cool and i just came across his bitcoin comic the other day cleaning out the studio here so he's not afraid to take risks they're not all going to work (laughs) but but if you want that perfectly safe Kickstarter project that you know everyone's going to jump on, yeah, that's not going to happen. You have to take risks. You're going to have to take risks. I don't think there's a certain safe way of doing a Kickstarter, you know. And so it really comes down to to get a project done, you got to have passion about it. So it's got to be something that you care about. And then you've got to work on getting that audience built around it to uh, bring it to the crowdfunding platform whether it's kickstarter or indiegogo um and then eventually you hope maybe you can take that audience if it continues to grow out to uh, bookstores or comic shops you know you just never know but um uh, yeah there's there's no safe way to get out there and doing it but one of the things is how do you make your your kickstarter unique stand out and one like you said is find another market and reach out to them um, so I guess through social media, uh, conventions, rallies, or whatever you can do. But how, I wonder how else you can make your your uh, project stand out and being unique. So about trying to find like existing fan bases and craft a story for that. Look at what else you're interested in besides comics. You know, um, a, a really devoted fan base is Sherlock Holmes fans. Oh yeah. Sherlock Holmes is in public domain, uh, the beginning stories. You can do a Sherlock Holmes comic book, but if you just put it out there without really contacting 
Sherlock Holmes fans, it won't do very well. But if you can mobilize that fan base to support your project, yeah, that's an example. And there are other examples like that out there of fan bases of a variety of different things, okay? And you'd be surprised how rich that area can be of like trying to get those people to buy your book where the average person walking into a comic book wouldn't be store would not be interested in it. Right. Or they would never find it. Um, exactly. Because they don't come in comic shops and um, you know, same thing starting to be with bookstores. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And uh, I wonder, like, I guess Tarzan is not in public domain, is it? ERB? No, the, I believe the very first novel is, but you, but you could not put the name Tarzan on your book because <laughs> that is trademarked and copyrighted. So yes, you do have to get into some legal weeds about these yeah. things. Okay? Yeah. Uh, even uh, the Sherlock Holmes property, there's the Arthur Conan Doyle estate is claiming rights that they probably don't have. Okay. Yeah. So there are book publishers that are publishing new Sherlock Holmes books, but they have to state that they're not trying to establish trademark or copyright. Right, right. Hmm, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, so you can't yeah. jump in and say, I own Sherlock Holmes or I own Tarzan, and you could publish a Tarzan comic book but not put Tarzan on it. I would right. stay away from um, Edgar Rice Burroughs people because they are very organized and very yes, litigious. They, are. they so, are. But there are other fandoms out there that have similar things, okay? Um, the proliferation of steampunk for a few years ago was a great w example of oh, yeah. find, finding a group of people that were passionate about something and creating comics and marketing to those people. Yep, I agree. And, and there still is some, you know, steampunk and stuff like that going on. Um, fantasy, D&D, &D, always, you know, the Dungeon & Dragon stuff, you get it with, you know, because you that, would pull in from the Game of Thrones area, you pull in from the Harry Potter fan base. That's having yeah. a huge revival. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go out and make yourself stand out, but you still have to. And this is what, you know, this is what we're doing over at Shoutfires, trying to teach you how to create your fan base, your markets, because you've got to have those to be successful with a Kickstarter or be successful with a crowdfunding or, or even if you're just putting it on Amazon or something like that, you've got to have, you got people has got to know about you and got to find you. And it always comes down to the quality of your work. You mm -hmm. can't throw this out there on Kickstarter. If you're not really ready to produce a book, that's going to be able to compete with what else is on the market. No, I agree. I agree. And you gotta be honest with yourself as far as the quality of it and, uh, you know, ask for help and suggestions and reviews you'll get better. And sometimes, you know, teaming up with other people to put out a good product is a good way to do that. But yes, um, Kickstarter is though, is finding is there is a group of them that are using Kickstarter as a way to get their stuff out there. So, you know, we had spoken about that in the last podcast. So you definitely want to make your, your items unique. Make you them stand out. And we're going to do um, some other tutorials really on how exactly to go through the Kickstarter process because unless you know the process step by step you're going to wind up trying to reinvent the wheel constantly yes and then uh something I just stumbled across as a friend of mine Brent Fowler he actually designs graphics and stuff for Kickstarter projects I didn't know Brent did that 
And uh, so Brent Fowler, if you if you think about doing a Kickstarter and you need some graphics done up, he's available. Um, there's a fee, but he does beautiful design work. And I didn't realize it was a business, but it is. And so well, yeah, that's because you want. Thank, thank for there's so many elements that. If you've not gone through the process or studied it, you think, oh, well, it's pretty easy. I just make my comic book and, quote, unquote, put it on Kickstarter. Well, there's more than that just putting it on Kickstarter. There's there's so many different things to make sure that you don't follow their minimum requirements of what you need to do, but also what follow what's working on successful Kickstarter platforms. Also, one important thing, study some of the non-successful ones. Look yes. at what they did and how they did it and... See if you can, as just as a consumer, say what were they lacking? What did they not get across about their project? And most of the time, I can tell you, it's not not working and creating a fan base prior. It's because that fan base is going to go out and promote you and tell other people about you and help you expand it. So, but you know, right now we're in the process of setting up some streaming for Shoutfire and definitely Kickstarter setups. Will be one things that we could, you and I could actually sit here and discuss as I'm showing it on the screen, step by step. So um, that's something we do down the road, um, which would be fun. So I could, I could bring in to you know you on a call and we could sit here and I can share the screen with you and we can uh, talk them through a Kickstarter setup. Oh, that'd be um, excellent because you mm-hmm. can learn it on your own. But the more you can um, tap into what other people's, how they've navigated the process. And you talk to several people who had one after another um, failed Kickstarter until they finally learned. It wasn't so much the improvement of the, what they were actually selling, but the improvement in how they learned the process and how to make the process work to their best advantage. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of steps to it, like you said. And and a lot of trial of errors. But, you know, like one thing we said over Shelfire, we're going to try to do more step-by-step. I'm going to be doing a comic Kickstarter probably this summer with Paradox Wars. And uh, I'll record every step from the graphics to you and I have talked about interviews to recordings to everything that I've learned doing successful ones, researching the ones that weren't successful. Biggest thing is outreach. Um, with the successful Kickstarter, your first week, you're going to get most of your your fans and your family who comes in to support you. And then you're going to get more support probably from Kickstarter and other areas that last week. There's two weeks in between if you run a four-week campaign is where you need to be putting out interviews, art previews, podcasting, reaching out to anybody and try to get interviews out live. At that point in time. So there's a lot of scheduling. It's a lot of work. It's four weeks of like having, I call it having a baby. Because <laughs> you feel like in four weeks you go from here, we're, we're having this. And here, if it's going to show up, it has to be successfully funded. So four weeks of like carrying this thing and, and just promote, promote, promote. Even if you're not getting any sales, those two metal weeks, you've got to get out there and promote because they will help that last week. So there's a lot to it to be to be successful with it. And, and But one of the major part is be unique and try to reach out to other areas, other uh, Facebook groups, other social medias, and try to build a fan base for your art prior to, to the Kickstarter, definitely. And realize um, 
you may need a team to work on this. This is oh, a lot yeah. of work to put on one person's shoulder, but you have to reach out to friends and family uh, who, you know, are they're not writing and drawing the book with you, but they you will find there are people that will be willing to help you at, and do some of these time-consuming things that are necessary to make it successful. Yes, and, and some a lot of things you want to try to do prior to your launch. Um, you and I have spoken about, I want to do some um, roundtable interviews for the Camelot Forever Kickstarter. It's a book that we're going to be launching, and we want to do those in advance. We don't want to do those during the Kickstarter we want right. to do those interviews in advance. They're going to be video inter- interviews. And, yeah, we want to do those advanced, cut them, create them, boom, have them ready to, pro- you know, to launch within that four-week period. And so. I actually know people who didn't have their book finished when oh. I planned to finish it during that four-week period and find out that it's not really going to work. Well, some of the Kickstarters you can do and say, hey, this book's going to ship in six months. <sighs> I think that's a nightmare. Um, I think a lot of people have been jaded by unfinished and undelivered projects. Right. So I'm not too sure. You need to have a bulk of it finished. Um, I know Paradox Wars, um, it, it's been sold, inked, and colored. It's just it's need to be lettered. I plan on having a bulk of it lettered prior to the Kickstarter. Um, even though I'm thinking about going in and tweaking a lot of the colors and going with more of an animation style. You need to have a lot of it done. Um, it will go a long ways. The more you can show, the more you can present, will go a long way to people supporting you and backing you. So to circle back about looking for a unique product, you also have to be wary and not make it so unique that nobody cares. Yeah, like I like to build. And then one of my current project is a deck. Yeah, I know it's the middle of the winter, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, a comic book on building decks probably is not going to be successful. But a lot of people build decks. I mean, yeah, yeah, but they're not the ones that sit around and read comics. Well, they might sit around and read comics, but they probably don't want to sit around reading a comic about building a deck. Yeah, so, so that yeah. would be unique, okay? That would fit <laughs> the criteria, but it also has to be entertaining, and it also has to be something that you are entertained with and you can remain focused on for that creative project, okay? So uniqueness is important, but not to the point of you turning out a bad product that's not going to sell anyway. Right, right. Well, I think that about wraps us up for today, Bob. We've got a lot of interesting things talked about there. And uh, we're going to be doing a lot more on this subject in the future as we break it down into very specific steps. Yes, I agree. It was a great one. Talk to you next time.